So that's what the woman has to deal with. What does the child have to deal with? Oh, mutilation and death. The tragedy of Texas women and abortions, this time on Right Angle. I'm Scott Ott with uh, Stephen Green and Zoe Rachel sitting in for the uh, missing Bill Whittle. And this time around, gentlemen, I want to talk about a piece that was done, um, showed up on Yahoo News, but was written by AFP, which is the French Reuters, basically, Agence France Presse. Um, and it was uh, basically a follow-up nine months later, ironically, uh, on the Texas heartbeat law that that was passed September 1st of last year that basically said that a woman can't have an abortion in a baby that has a heartbeat. And that's typically around six weeks into the gestation period. Um, the story, uh, Zoe Rachel, was basically focusing on the suffering of women who now have to travel out of state to surrounding states like Louisiana, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, places like that in order to get abortions. Um, there's one clinic staffer who said that she's heard many tears, that women are desperate, that they have been, uh, that some of them have to be warned to not try to do it themselves because of the potential for self-inflicted injury that some of them have to rent cars or places to to stay when they're out of state, that they have to bring a friend with them, that they have to find childcare for their other children, uh, that they apparently did not abort during this time. In other words, Zoe, the whole story is that the aftermath of this bill that Republicans managed to get through in Texas to stop aborting children that have heartbeats is what a tremendous inconvenience it has been for women. Can you think of any other potential focus that this reporter might have found or, or just any other factors that he might have introduced into the story alongside of this? Well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of glad that he, he did say convenience because that seems to be, you know, what this um, sacrifice, if you will, is all about, the God of convenience. Uh, somehow, if this child is sacrificed, your life is going to be better for it somehow. There's, there's going to be a reward for it. And this ain't nothing new. This is this has always been. We've, we've, we've been going through this for thousands of years. There's, there's going to be some sort of benefit for, for sacrificing your kid. Um, I think uh, the, the irony also here is, you know, he's, they're talking about the tears and the desperation uh, 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 and the struggle. Um, well, I thought these women were empowered. These empowered victims, if mm. you will, you know, these women are supposed to—they're supposed to be able to take on the world and all that sort of stuff. They're—they're they're fearless. They're fierce, you know. But despite all that, they don't seem to have the power and the courage to raise a kid. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so you're gonna—you're gonna take your fears and your cowardice and and your and your desperation to what to not be inconvenienced, and you're gonna take it out you know, on this, on this kid. And, you know, see, the thing is that what really bothers me about this is how the, how do we get to this point where even we're deciding this in the courts? This ain't even supposed to be this. You're not supposed to waste the court's time. You're not supposed to waste people's money with this. This is antithetical to the supreme law of the land. You, it's like, okay, you want to intrude on, on this person's right. We're, we're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights upon the creation, not upon the birth, upon the creation, this, this, this entity has rights. You can't intrude upon those. Bye. Get out of my courtroom. We're not supposed to be hearing this. But here we are doing this, deciding on when a kid's heartbeat is. You know, these people who claim to be, it's all about we need to have equal opportunity for development. But you're going to deny the development of this kid 
<laughs> it's like, uh, I, I don't see what, you know, it's, well, I mean, I do see it, I understand, but it's like, do you guys see? It's almost like, I mean, if we could even include California in this, California even right now is putting in their bill uh, where you can uh, basically abandon a kid. A mother can go ahead and abandon her kid for to be, to die for like, what, up to 30 days? Like about a month, you know? Colorado's doing it too, so. Right. Democrats are fully in charge here. Yeah. Now, what? How does a person like that even have a job? It's like where you where a person can come in and introduce something like this, you know, but just like you said, Democrats, they're running this whole thing. Democrats have been the arbiters of who qualifies as a person and who doesn't, who gets to enjoy rights and who doesn't, you know, and, and their their idea of promoting fairness is by being unfair to somebody else. And, 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 and they get to articulate who gets to afford being unfair to? And I guess this kid can afford taking on the burden of being treated unfairly for the sake of somebody else. That's just who Democrats are. It's not even what they do. That's just who they are. Stephen Green, um, they Planned Parenthood has been monitoring the clinic traffic at, at basically border state abortion clinics, although some of them aren't right on the border. And that list that I had earlier, and they say that abortion clinic traffic from Texas women, uh, women who reside in Texas, to these surrounding states in order to get abortions, that traffic is up 800% according to, to Planned Parenthood statistics. At one Planned Parenthood clinic, apparently it was up 2,500%. Now, what I noticed, Steve, is they don't include any actual numbers. Yeah. And I, as, and anytime I see a percent, I always wonder, well, percent of what? Um, and it, usually with percents, and check me if I'm wrong on this, it's either because the numbers are inconsequential, or in this case, I suspect, the numbers are such a tidal wave that even Planned Parenthood understands that people need not know or better not know how many women are getting abortions. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about this figure of 800% more Texas women at border state abortion clinics? You know, um, I'm old enough to remember, this makes me not very old, although <laughs> I'm in my 50s now, but uh, I'm old enough to remember, which makes me about 15 years old, I suppose, when uh, uh, being moderately pro-choice was a tenable political position in this country was actually something that uh, Democrats espoused or at least pretended to espouse, or pretended to mean, I guess. Um, the safe, legal and rare is what uh, Bill yeah. Clinton formulated his uh, his position as in the in the 1990s. And and this this brings us to this uh, this explosion in uh, in bordering states like Louisiana and Oklahoma. Um I looked this up. The Texas law, the heartbeat law, didn't go into effect until September 1 of last year. So it's it's only been in effect for about seven, eight months now. Not, not very long at all. Um, and prior to that, uh, Texas law capped abortions at 20 weeks. Now, that is basically half your gestation. You were talking about uh, 42 weeks, I think, is, uh, is full term. So we're talking not about... Um, Oops, something went wrong last night, and now I'm going to take a pill and get rid of this clump of cells. We are talking about a viable baby inside a woman that was was legal under Texas law up until just, just this last September. Um, so I have to think that this, this is where it gets difficult. So 
Scott, you were wondering: is uh, is is an explosion of uh, a, a big percentage of very small numbers, or is it an explosion in a percentage of a very large number? We don't know. They're not saying. But if we go back to that premise of safe, legal, and rare, then clearly it must be a very small figure because how many women at 21 or more weeks would say, hey, I'm going to drive up to, uh, to Oklahoma or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head east to Louisiana now to take care of this inconvenience that I've, I've, I've dilly-dallied for the last several months on making a decision about? Or has it not been rare. Has it been that there have been many women, for whatever reason, many women waiting until more than 20 weeks to do this? Again, we're not talking about that clump of cells. We're talking about a viable, you could save this baby's life if you wanted to, even if it was an accident, a miscarriage or something. Um, We don't know what the number is, Scott. I hope it's a small one. In other words, if you found one in a dumpster, you would know immediately what it was. Bingo. Mm. God, I, you know, Scott, I love you, man. I've worked with you for a long time, but uh, I hated you just for, just for a, a split second for putting it that way. That was, was harsh. Wow. As well. Oh. There are so many things about this story that are just deeply disturbing. The fact that there's some journalist alleged out there who can write a story like this and not even grapple with the real reason why the bill was passed in the first place, but really put the whole focus. And I, I'm using this term because it's really kind of a, a a basket of deplorable ideas that he's put together here. But I'm using the term inconvenience because everything comes down to that. There, There is nothing really devastating about what he describes in this story. There are inconveniences. I have to travel. I may have to rent a car. I may have to find a friend who will come with me, who will do that. On the one side of the ledger, you've got this this list of inconveniences, which in the vast scheme of things seem minor. When you look at the other side of the ledger and say, okay, so that's what the woman has to deal with. What does the child have to deal with? Mm. Oh, mutilation and death. That's the other side of the ledger. And I think if you're going to be a good accountant, you need to show both sides of the ledger. And this reporter is not giving a good account of his skills in this story. As it turns out, the the one woman that they quote, they allege is a woman from Houston who's 27 years old, who already has a two-year-old child, and who has had to ponder through this decision of how to handle this. And she thought, well, you know what? It's already hard to find childcare, and if your childcare resource can't be there on a day, you may have to take a day off from work, and that makes it difficult to keep a good job because you're not as reliable as you'd like to be. So I had to think, do I want to have another child and struggle, or do I want to travel to a border state? So that, that, was, that was the moral wrestling. The reporter, of course, could not ask a question like, Hey, how did it come to be that a woman who has a child already now has another child that she didn't want to have? I'd at least like to know that. Even if it was something that was utterly against her will, that should have been part of the story. The other question that occurred to me is it was mentioned that two organizations pitched in and came up with $2,000 for this woman, including $695 of that to pay for the actual abortion procedure at the clinic. 
but $2,000 for her so she could go out of state and get an abortion. And I thought, well, who do you ask for that kind of money? Will those kind of people be willing to open their wallets if you said, hey, I'd like to be able to provide childcare that's reliable for this woman on a regular basis? Will those kind of people who will fund an abortion trip out of state be willing to say, I would like to contribute to make sure that this woman has the kind of prophylaxis that's required to make sure that she doesn't have any future unwanted pregnancies. Will the kind of people who will fund an out-of-state trip for an abortion be willing to cough up money so we can teach women how to avoid unwanted pregnancies in the first place? Will those kind of people be willing to fund the process of adoption so that those babies who are the only victims in this whole story who had no agency in it whatsoever? The women, the poor overworked clinic people at the out-of-state clinics, all those people had a choice at some point along the line. The baby didn't have a choice. Are the kind of people who are so free with their money to fund an abortion, who will brag at a cocktail party, I would guess, to say, hey, by the way, I gave to that cause so that woman could go to Oklahoma or Louisiana or Missouri or wherever so she could abort that baby. Oh, really? Why didn't you just adopt the baby? The final kicker in this story for me was the passing reference to some actual fairly old data from 2008, which I've seen quoted before, that was gathered by the Guttmacher Institute that I think is not gathering this kind of data anymore because it, even though they're a pro-choice organization, it doesn't seem to reflect well on their cause. But it said in the story, just in passing, the reporter didn't seem to think this was hugely significant, but included it, that the Guttmacher Institute in 2008 determined that black babies are aborted at five times the rate of white babies. And which party is it that is advancing this cause? The people who care about the racial minorities in this country? They want to make sure that that woman gets the care she needs so she can get out of state and make sure that we don't have another black person walking around this country. For Stephen Green and Zoe Rachel, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 